0: That. But I did I did forget to mention that earlier, so I want to throw that in. But listen, good morning. We're glad that you guys are here. Um, we are are finishing up in our series this morning called Sequence, and we've been in this series just talking about seeing Jesus basically on every page um, of of Scripture, not just the New Testament. That we see, maybe you don't see His name. Uh, on every page, but we want to see evidence. We want to see the fingerprints of God uh, and the fingerprints of Messiah on every page from Genesis all the way through revelation. And so uh, we're going to finish up with that today. And just a quick recap. we've, we've talked about this. We started with this premise um, that uh, we need the whole Bible to make whole Christians. Um, that, that is the premise that we've started with. that's uh, I thought, do you have that? Uh, we need the whole Bible to make whole Christians. And so just a, a quick recap is uh, the Old Testament, and uh, you'll hear me refer to them as the Hebrew Scriptures, um, is uh, divided into basically three divisions, uh, and those three divisions are, you can go ahead and put this up, it's called the Tanakh, and if you've ever heard that word, Tanakh, Tanakh is, is really, it stands for this idea of uh, three divisions. It means Torah, which is instruction. Uh, which are specifically the first five books of of, of the Bible: uh, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Um, then you have the Nevaim. the Nevaim. Hopefully, I, 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 I butcher these every time I say them. They say it's three syllables, Nevaim. Uh, so I don't know. Hey, I, South Georgia trying to say Hebrew, right? Um, <laughs> anyways, it's the Neviim, which is the prophets. Okay, and we talked about the prophets last week. We looked at how. Um, Jesus uh, can be found in the prophets and Jesus uh, specifically referred back to the prophets and and how those those, uh, worlds came together. And today we want to look in on this last section called the uh, Ketuvim. The Ketuvim is uh, the writings and the Ketuvim basically incorporates Psalms, Proverbs, Job, the Song of Songs, Ruth, Ecclesiastes, um, Lamentations, Esther, Daniel, uh, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Chronicles, uh, all these uh, books of the Old Testament are included in this third group or this third division of the Old Testament. And if you remember, I told you over the last two weeks that if you look at uh, our Protestant order of Scripture that the Old Testament ends with what book? The Old Testament, yeah, <laughs> the Bible ends in Revelation, but the Old Testament ends specifically in Malachi for us. Uh, but if you look in uh, in, in the Hebrew Scriptures, uh, what uh, Jewish Jewish Scriptures, their uh, their order it ends with Chronicles, and Chronicles really um, kind of encompasses a summary of Israel's history. And a lot of times, Chronicles, when you're reading the Bible, sometimes Chronicles. Are are those books that you want to skip over? Because if you've already read First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings, uh, Chronicles is really um, a recap of that of, of of Samuel and Kings. And so, a lot of people, when they get to uh, Chronicles, are like, <laughs> I've already read this. I don't need to read this again. Why do I need to read this again? But it's um, it's why they end. Uh, the Old Testament and the Hebrew Scriptures with the Chronicles because it's a summary. It's, a, it's actually a retelling uh, in a sense that it's reframing this history of, of Israel as uh, is going somewhere. And so um, I want us to look at this this morning now. Uh, about 10 years ago, Under Armour, uh, anybody Under Armour, you know what I'm talking about, Under armor got some clothes with Under Armour on it, maybe some shoes. Uh, The company Under Armour launched a campaign about 10 years ago called Protect This House. Uh, Anybody, have you you seen these shirts? Maybe you've you've got some hanging in your closet. You said, man, that was 10 years ago. What are you talking about? Those are long gone. But they launched a campaign with this idea of Protect This House house and and it was and basically it was protect this house, and the kind of the response was, "I will, and I kind of want to talk a little bit about that idea this morning about the idea of protecting the house because um I think we find that in this in the section that we're going to talk about now. I want to give some Bible trivia today, Bible trivia this morning. How I many you got your thinking caps on? No, you're like, dude, it is Sunday morning, you know. I got my thinking cap on. Bible trivia, the only question I want to ask you this morning, Bible trivia, uh, does anyone know which book Jesus quoted from the most? Isaiah. Say it. Deuteronomy. Chronicles. I don't know that I've heard it yet. It is the book of... Psalms. Somebody might, did anybody say it? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, yeah. Carla, yeah, good, I'm sorry. Get, Carla gets the gold star this morning, my bad. I, I'm not hearing very well over here, you know. Uh, so, so, yeah, it's the, the book of Psalms, the book of Psalms. And uh, that is the book that Jesus quoted from the most. Uh, Jesus did quote from Deuteronomy. Jesus uh, did uh, refer to many of these other places uh, in the Old Testament. But if you go look at the the references The places that he referenced the most, it came from the book of Psalms. And Psalms, if you go look at the book of Psalms, um, it's it's about 150 chapters in it. Um, The uh, book of Psalms can actually be broke up into about five divisions. Uh, And they they say breaking up the book of Psalms in about five books in, in and of itself. And it kind of weaves its way through this idea of Messiah, this idea of law, this idea of um, God's house, and, it, and it, it moves from lament to praise. When you get to the latter chapters and those last couple divisions of the book of Psalms, you get to a lot of praise where... Uh, there's just praise the Lord for this and praise the Lord for this and and Hallelujah you know we we love that word Hallelujah right it's uh, it's it's one that we've we've borrowed it's a borrowed word it's not an English word it's a it's a borrowed word it means praise uh, praise the Lord and and so this this idea of of praise is uh, throughout the Psalms but it really kind of takes a journey from lament to Psalms or lament to praise now. Um, Jesus speaks out of the context of the whole of the Old Testament revelation, Uh, and in Hebrew Scripture, you're going to find the Lord's house or dwelling place is is a rich idea. It is is something that you're going to see played out. This essentially means when he talks about the Lord's house or the Lord's dwelling place, this essentially means where God's presence is revealed, where God's presence is displayed, where God's presence is expressed. And often in Psalms, God's house or God's dwelling is the temple in Jerusalem, okay? And so sometimes when he talks about God's house, he's talking about the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, at other times, it refers to all of creation uh, itself, and even sometimes the whole of universe can, can be considered sometimes God's house. That's, that's a reference. This is God's creation. And then sometimes in Psalms, you're going to see where God describes um, himself as our dwelling place, uh, places such as Psalm 90. Can you go to Psalm 90? Psalm 90 is, says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. This idea of dwelling place, this idea of house, this idea that God wants to come and uh, be with us. Psalm 91 and 9. Uh, can you put that one up there, Psalm 91 9? Nine. It says, because you, have ma- because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High is, who is my refuge? That God becomes our refuge. He becomes a place that we go and, um, and, 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 and seek refuge. And we were talking about refugees earlier. This is, hey, we come and seek refuge in Him. So he's our safe place. He's the place that we go to. And so this idea of house and dwelling place uh, is flexible in, in Hebrew Scripture, especially in the Psalms. Now, I want to talk to you just for a minute about the, the, the word the Hebrew word for house. Um, the Hebrew word for house is the word bayit. Uh, And I could be butchering that one, but it it, it could be pronounced vayet, Uh, vayet or vayet. Uh, And so it means house. It means home. It means dwelling. It it can mean family. It can mean shelter. It can mean temple. So when you see this word, that's the great thing about um, Hebrew words is there's a lot of flexibility for them to mean a lot of different things. And, and so that's why it takes great study sometimes when you say, well, you just read what's on the surface. The Bible means what the Bible says. Okay, yeah, but sometimes there's, there's other layers uh, beyond that than just that surface level reading. And, and um, when you start, start reading some of these, these scriptures and these passages and you start getting to some of these words, uh, it takes on a whole new meaning, and that's part of what I want to show you this morning with where we're going so this hebrew word by it means um house or home or dwelling or family or shelter or temple now i want us to go to uh the book of chronicles and like i said chronicles was the is the last book of the hebrew scriptures um not in our order in the protestant bible Uh, like i said protestant bibles it ends in malachi but the original, the way it was originally ordered in in Hebrew Scriptures, was it ended in Chronicles, um, and this idea of house pops up, and I, I want to read this story to you because it's got to do with David, King David. Anybody remember King David? King David um, is basically living in his palace. He's living up the king life. He is living his best life, right? He's like I'm, I'm, I'm loving life. I'm just, and he is he is sitting on the back porch of his palace one night. And he's just kind of struck. And, and I want to read this story to you uh, because he gets, he gets some inspiration. And it says, verse 1 here, chapter 17, Now when David lived in his house, there you go, that word is what? Bayet. When David lived in his bayet. David said to Nathan the prophet, Behold, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under a tent. And and Nathan said to David, Do all that is in your heart, for God is with you. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Now the prophet got a word from God. Now David is, he's inspired. He's like, man, look, look at my house. My house is amazing. My house is great. And, and the ark of God's presence is living in a tent. And it, it kind of messed with him. He didn't like that. He didn't, he didn't think that was a good thing. And so... Um, he got this idea, is like, I'm going to build God a house. But this is what came to the prophet Nathan, verse 3. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, it is not you who will build me a house to dwell in. For I have not lived in a house since the day that I brought Israel up, to this, uh, brought up Israel to this day. But I have gone from tent to tent and from dwelling to dwelling. This, this idea of uh, tent, the tabernacle. God at this point lived in a tent, and it was called the tabernacle, and it moved around. Whenever whenever God's people moved, that's when God would move in the tent. And so he says, I, I don't need you to build me a house. I haven't lived in a house up to this day. Uh, I have lived in a tent uh, with my people wherever they have gone. In verse 6, it goes in, it says, In all the places where I moved with all Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people, saying, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Do you see what he's doing here? Do you see what he's doing here? God's like, have I ever asked for a house? David, you're wanting to build me something, but, but David, I've never asked for a house. In all the time that I moved with my people of Israel, and, and did I ever look at the judges and say, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Right? And now in verse 7 it says, Now therefore, thus shall, uh, shall you say to my, dis- my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following sheep, to be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel. And I will, once again, plant them. You see that word? That word plant. It's, it's, it's specific. Where, do, where does God plant? God plants a garden where? In Eden. Going all the way back, he's using the same language. What's he done? Who did he plant in the garden? He put Adam and Eve in the garden. What did he have with them in the garden? He had fellowship and relationship with them in the garden. And so you got to pick up on some of these things, these patterns uh, that we're seeing again. And God says this, and I will plant them that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall waste them no more as formerly from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel, and I will subdue all your enemies. Moreover, I declare to to you that the Lord will build you a house. Do you see this? Do you see what he's saying? David says, God, you're living in a tent. This is not good. God, we got to get you out of living in this tent. I'm going to build you a house. And God says, "Hope, stop right there, David. You're not going to build me a house. I'm going to build you a house. But remember now what a house can mean. Because David is thinking of a physical structure. David is thinking it is not good. God's living out there in a the tent. I feel bad that I'm living under in a cedar, cedar roof and cedar house. You know, I've got all the luxuries of this house and the palace and mansion. You know, this is great. And God's living out there in the tent. This should not be so, right? He feels bad. It was like putting your mama out in the, in, in the backyard, right? You'd get in trouble if you did that, right? But this is what God says. God says, I never asked you to build me a house, David. It's like actually, what I'm more interested in is not that you would build me a house. Actually, that I would build you a house. But God is not talking about a physical structure because David's already got a house. David's already got a palace. He's not saying I want to add to your palaces. I want to add to your mansions. I just want another place where you to park your Ferrari. You know, uh, this is not what God is saying. God is saying, I want to build a house. I want to build a family. Because remember, what can bayet it mean? It can mean temple. It can mean house. It can mean family. And and this is important for us because where we're going, this is important for what Jesus wants us to get. And he's he's saying, listen, he said, when your days, in verse 11, when your days are fulfilled to walk with your fathers, I will raise up your who offspring? Who's your offspring? It's his family. I will raise up your offspring after you and one of your sons and I will establish his kingdom and he shall build a house for me and I will establish his throne forever. Now, if you're looking at that, and you're thinking just on the surface level, you're thinking God wants a temple. But that's not what God's saying. Because if you look at David's line, David had many sons that came after him that became king, became king of Judah. And, and some of them were okay. Some of them were not. Some of them did okay, you know, if they, they got by. Then some of them, they just, they, they failed miserably. And so who is God talking about here? And some will say, well, he's talking about Solomon. Well, even Solomon, you know, even Solomon, yeah, you, you did okay, but, but Solomon didn't nail it. He, he did not cross and check off all the boxes of saying, hey, I am Messiah. And so why is it important that we start in the book of Matthew? If you go read in the book of Matthew, and every one of us when we read the Gospels, we're tempted to skip We're tempted to skip a lot in the Bible, guys, because we think it's boring. But it has a purpose. I'm just being honest, because I skipped a lot in the Bible because I thought it was boring, until you begin to realize that it has a purpose. And when you go to the book of Matthew, and it starts out in the book of Matthew in this great big way of giving you a genealogy. Who wants to read a genealogy? and -and so-and-so begat so-and-so, and and -and so-and-so begat so-and-so, and and that person had a baby, and that person had another baby, and this person. Who cares? God cares. Because God said here, he says, listen, David, I am going to build you a house, and it's not a physical structure that I'm going to build you. I am building you a family, and that family is going to establish a kingdom forever forever. And David's like, this is amazing. And you can just read in the next chapter where David's like, God, this is awesome. You're blessing me. This is amazing. And I don't think that David gets it because David launches out into this building program. And it's really a preparation for his son to have a building program to build a temple. I question whose idea it was to really build the temple. Was it God's or was it David's? Right? Uh, that's my question. And and, and I, I, I see we see where God Puts his name there. He says, listen, you know what? It's it's like me saying, God, I want to build you a sunroom off the back of my house. God, and God's like, I really don't care about a sunroom. I don't need a sunroom. I am the sun, right? (laughs) I'm light. I don't need a sunroom. But you know what, Ryan? If you want to build a sunroom off the back of your house, go ahead. You know what? As long as you will go worship me and have an attitude before me that is faithful and, and you will serve me and, and you will love me and you will love my commandments, you know what? I'll put my name there. I will be there in your sunroom, Ryan, because not, it's not about the sunroom, but it's about what's happening. It's about your attitude in the sunroom. It's more about who you are than where you are. Does that make sense? And, and so we're, we begin to see Jesus, and he's quoting from the Psalms, and he's he's, he's quoting all these passages, and all these passages that he's quoting is, is, is pointing somewhere. And, and it's not really pointing because Jesus, it's not really pointing to a building. It's pointing to a people. It's pointing to a person. It's pointing to him because he's saying, Listen, God's always wanted to live with his people. Not because God, you know, was homeless and he did God wanted to be with his people. God lived in a tent because that's where the tent was at. It was in the middle of his people. So God wanted to always be in the middle of his people. It wasn't that God needed a house and God needed a tent. And David, you're more worried about physical things and God is trying to get you to see something else. See, we get focused on this world when God is wanting us to reflect the next world. We get focused on on what's around us when God is saying "You're, you're... You're distracted by everything right here. I want you to begin to reflect what's coming next. And and that's what the Hebrew Scriptures were doing. They're pointing to what's coming next. They're pointing to who is coming next. They're pointing to this house that God is wanting to build, that God is wanting to establish. And it was more than just brick and mortar. It was more than just a building. Um, it's, It's God saying, I want a family. John 14. I want us to go to John 14. And we see Jesus speaking in John 14, and this, this passage gets read a lot uh, in funerals. I do funerals, and I use this passage, and a lot of times we read this passage in John 14, and we're thinking, Jesus is talking about heaven. Jesus actually isn't talking about heaven here, right? And heaven's great, but heaven is a byproduct of the ra- relationship that we have with the one who created heaven. Does that make sense? And, and, and so, what Jesus does here, let's look at it in, verse, in chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. It says, and Jesus said this. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's by it. You're talking about a physical structure, Jesus? Nope. Because actually, he already made a lot of people mad when he talked about the physical structure of the temple. He said, you know what? Tear down this building. And in three days, I'll build it back up again. Well, that made him mad because like, he's talking about tearing down the temple. Off with him, off with his head, crucify him, you know. Got to kill him, right? This guy's reckless. He's, he's a rebel. We got to get rid of Jesus. He's talking crazy talk. But really what Jesus was talking about, he was talking about something that God had already initiated. God had already started the wheels moving. And he's saying, listen, it's not about building. It's not about stones stacked on one top of the other. It's about what God wants from the people who become the house of God. And what we find is this, is that the Apostle Paul, in in his writings, just he he reminds us of this. He says, hey, your bodies bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Anybody ever remember reading that? That's the one we read when we think about, man, I've eaten too many chicken legs. And, uh, you know, I haven't taken care of, you know, it's the one that we get guilty over. But Paul reminds us, he's saying, listen, he's like, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And it's not just so that, hey, we can have guilt. It's so that we can understand God wants to come live here. God wants to not just live in a tent and in a temple. God wants to live inside of me because God wants to be with his people. God is not interested in a residence. God wants a relationship. God is not concerned with your address God is concerned with your attitude. And, it, and that's the problem that we had people that would go to a temple and they thought that going to the temple and walking through the rituals would, would get them close to God, but the attitude of their heart was so far away. And we have people that will do the same thing when they come to church on Sunday. We think, well, I went to church, I gave a dollar in the offering, and we're checking off boxes because it's religious. And God is saying, you're living religion, you're not living relationship. I'm inviting you to something that's so much better than religion. I'm inviting you to have the attitude of the heart. Because that's all he's ever wanted was to live with his people and for his people to live with him and for his people to love him and for his people to be in relationship with him. That's what he's always wanted. I'm going to ask somebody to come play. David was trying to build from the earth up. See, God wants to build from heaven down. We, we see that. We see that. You know, we're always talking about heaven. I'm, I can't wait to get to heaven. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. That will be. Y'all you know, were supposed to echo that. Some of y'all weren't raised on southern gospel music like I was. And everybody said, Amen. <laughs> See, it's, it's this, this idea that we're trying to we're thinking we're trying to get somewhere, we're trying to get to heaven. I'm not trying to get to heaven. I just want to get to Jesus. I just want to get to Jesus. I want to get to the heart of God. Because if I get to the heart of God, if I if I get to, to Jesus, I get everything else. Seek first the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? It's the heart of God, it's the ethic, it's the attitude, it's the relationship, it's the fellowship. It's the invitation to come and walk with him. When I do that, I get everything else. I get everything else. David was trying to build from the earth up. And what God was trying to do is he wants to come from heaven down. And so we find in Revelation that we're not actually going up to heaven. Actually, what you find in Revelation is this. It talks about a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. It talks about God coming down. He's bringing, he's bringing down his kingdom. He's, he's coming down for us to be with us. He wants to dwell with us. And and that's it. Jesus was bringing a message about God's heart, God's home, God's kingdom. That's why he loved the Psalms. The Psalms spoken poetically and very colorfully about God's kingdom, God's house. It's not about a physical structure. I'm so I'm thankful for our church building. But too many times Christians equate God's house with sheetrock and studs. Too many times we equate, you know, God's home and what God wants is checking off some boxes about religion. And God doesn't want religion. The world has plenty of religion even atheists can have religion about being an atheist about not believing in God well that becomes your religion right it becomes what you do on a regular basis becomes what you give your life to today God wants to give you life He wants to give you life He invites you to relationship He invites you to walk with Him so this morning if you'll stand with me this idea of the house of the Lord it's because God wants more than a building. He wants your heart. I want you to bow your heads this morning. The Father, if we're being